Hi, I'm D&D enthusiast and dungeon master Ryan Howard. Do you love D&D and other tabletop RPGs? Do you want to hear stories from people who not only also love RPGs, but have created and impacted them throughout their storied careers? Do you like stories of triumph and tragedy from other players and dungeon masters? Do you like passable impressions of celebrities? If so, check out my weekly interview podcast, Rollin' Bones with Ryan Howard, where I interview dungeon masters, players, content creators, and visionaries who love the game and all it stands for. Hear interviews with people like Larry Elmore, Shane Hensley, David Iwalt, Steve Kenson, and many more on Rollin' Bones with Ryan Howard. Listen on Anchor or wherever fine podcasts are heard. Greetings, peasants. I mean, hello, brave warriors, noble adventurers, and devious dungeon masters. Welcome back to the Knights and Nerds podcast. My name is Tim. I'm the dungeon master, and I want to say thank you very much for listening to this. Today we have episode 35, and this is something of the end of an era in that this is the last episode that we recorded with our old, not very good setup. You've probably noticed over the past couple of months that there's been some, uh, sometimes some volume uh, issues or some echoing, uh, and we've successfully, I think, eliminated that more or less with our new setup. So this is the last episode with the old setup, and then from here on out, it's going to sound way, way better. A few notes about this episode. One of our microphones didn't pick up uh, Matt's initiative role, so there's going to be some combat later on, and you won't hear... Matt in the initiative order, so that explains that. So just in case you thought maybe we missed Matt entirely, no, we didn't. It's just that the microphone didn't pick it up. Another note on this episode, one of our listeners who asked for an NPC to be named after them who gets killed off in this episode, I feel it necessary to clarify that all of the hostility towards this NPC is strictly towards the fictional character. Uh, You know, like, the players, as usual, take things a bit far. So to the person who who asked to be, to have an NPC named after them, we really thank you for asking. And, And we had quite a few laughs, but don't take it, please don't take it personally. We really do love everyone who listens to us. And so all of the hostility that's directed towards this NPC is for, I think, for a very specific reason in that there's, you know what, you'll see. Uh, It's just that this NPC turns out, there's a bit of a change and they turn out to be a little bit more dangerous than than perhaps I originally intended. I don't want to get, you know what, I'm going to get bogged down in the details if I try to explain it further. But to anyone who asks to have an NPC who gets killed named after them, Anything that we say that is remotely critical or negative or pejorative is solely directed towards the fictional representation, the NPC in the game. So I just want to make that clear. We don't harbor hostile feelings towards anyone. That's part of being Canadian. Anyways, I hope you enjoy this episode. There's some fun moments in there. 
If you are enjoying these episodes, you can really help us out by telling a friend who might like a D&D podcast to listen to. And if they say no thanks, you can, you know what, you can just end that friendship immediately. You can leave us a rating or review if you like, or if you're just content to listen, that's okay too. If you are an aspiring dungeon master yourself and you want to help me plan out some parts of the upcoming campaign, you can go to Facebook and join our Dungeon Master group. So go to our Facebook page, Knights and Nerds Podcast, and just go to where it says groups, ask to join, and you can help me plan out some stuff. Uh, I pose questions here and there about, you know, what I should do, have you ever run into this scenario, things like that. So you can help me out with lots of stuff. Also, as I have mentioned, sometimes these episodes are available on the dmdave.com website, which is a site with tons and tons of free 5th edition content. Uh, Lots of really fun articles. A recent one was a 5th edition version of Hypnotoad from Futurama. Who doesn't love a good old Hypnotoad? All glory to Hypnotoad. And also on the topic of things that are awesome, if you find yourself in the Kitchener-Waterloo region, that's in Ontario, in Canada, you should check out the Round Table. They're a board game pub. Not sure the best way to describe it. It's an awesome place where you can go to play some games, have some great food, do trivia nights, do D&D, Magic the Gathering, all sorts of crazy stuff. Okay, without further ado, let's get on to the episode. Let's rejoin our heroes, Candace, Katie, Matt, and Tom, otherwise known as Fiance, Vanna, Spruce Lee, and Gilladob Fabblestabble. Last time, the five, six of you, uh, so yourselves, Anna, Brita, you all made it to Tall Hill. You met back up with Lilith and the wizards, Osa and Devon, plus the teller, Clairvoyant, who gave you some semi-cryptic messages. And you bought some Magical Gear, some of you. Spruce promised, or or I guess Spruce offered his services to a, a group of explorers going into a nearby area called the Gloomden Forest, where there was a battle once upon a time. Mm-hmm. And essentially as hired protection, because they want to go into a place called the Black Bog that's been too dangerous for them to go into. And they go in and like look for magic items and magic artifacts that have been left behind in this battlefield from the war. So Spruce offered his services to do that. I don't know if he's spoken to the rest of the group about it, but when you returned to your camp, or your tavern, I should say, hang on, just checking the name of that tavern, the Dancing Rapier. Arizax was waiting in someone's room and said that he wanted to talk. So you assume you're going to get, like, are you going to get everybody? Or is it just going to be the four or five of you? I would say just the five of us. I don't know who else would we want. Okay, so he's kind of sitting at, like, at a table by a window in your room, let's say. And he's, as you're filtering in he's just kind of sitting there tapping his foot looking around sort of out the window and once everyone's in and the door's closed he kind of clasps his hand in his his hands in his lab and he says well I I thought that you'd be living in some kind of 
squalid conditions, but I never imagined this. Just every time I think of you, I picture you scurrying around in the darkness. You traveled a long way to make petty insults. Oh yes, well, I'm... He kind of waves his hand through the table. He's like, I'm not really here. I didn't think it would be proper at this stage in our relationship to arrive at this little whatever you want to call it and subject everyone to the horrific sights of, of your deaths and then I'm, I'm sure you would probably frustrate me at some point and I would just lose my temper and end up killing everyone in the entire town. Dub yawns at him. <laughs> Maybe you should see someone about that anger management problem. <laughs> he he says, oh, I imagine we'll be seeing each other soon enough, and we'll get right down to the business of it. But he takes a deep breath as if, as if to calm himself. I've been feeling a little cooped up because of a problem that I think is a mutual one. You correct me if I'm wrong, but it seems to me there is a third player in this little game of ours. You know the ones that I'm talking about, the ones who ride around in makeshift dragons in the sky? I think by this time, you've figured out that I didn't make Kalira disappear, and I have reasonably, after diligent application of various creative methods of interrogation to these drooling, sniveling, mewling wizards, I'm pretty sure they don't know anything either. Which leaves only one conclusion, is that there's someone else who's playing us both. Wouldn't it be to our mutual advantage to figure out who this interloping party is? deal with them, and then we can get back to the business of which of us will be victorious over the others. I have nothing but, like, contempt for this whole interaction. If anything, if Gilladon continues to talk, um, he'd probably just say, like, um, he almost start laughing to himself, like a slight chuckle, and, and just be like, well, you know, I'm really just surprised, you know, this show of weakness from you just really tells me that you guys don't have a good handle on this. I can't see ever assisting you in anything you would want. So um, I think you've wasted your time here today. As you're kind of deriding him, he's can see him clenching his jaw visibly. So something that I should, uh, I don't know if I had pointed this out before. I think I did, but Erizax is actually, like, appears to be human. Like, he's not a dragonborn, but he's a human sorcerer. So he says, well, I can I can appreciate that you would say that and I thought I would offer this one-time incredibly gracious gesture to you because over the course of years I've learned not to underestimate my enemies and Mago told me all about you. Yeah. Mago? What? He's alive? No. No, but even the dead can't hide their secrets from me. He was able in some in some fashion to tell me about you, but I would never bring that 
pitiful creature back to life after he failed us so miserably. So now we know there is no Mago. There's no more Doggo. So what exactly are you offering? You say you come here offering this this one-time special deal, but you haven't really provided anything for us. Seems like you're just asking for our help. He shrugs and he says, well, I don't really know that I need to offer much because all I have to do is nothing. You should see Pharaoh's point in this state it is in today. All I have to do is wait for you to waste day after day with whatever it is that you're up to. And eventually, there'll be no reason for us to be here at all. But I've been kind of wondering how long it would take for an army of iron constructs to level an entire city. Just a thought I'd been kicking around. But what I'm offering you is this, is that if you can provide me any sort of concrete information on these beings, whatever they are, I can do my part to make sure that they are out of the picture. Because really, I'm just wondering what they're waiting for if they have the ability to make someone vanish. What are they waiting for? Why, why not me? Why not any of you? Why not Agarand? What is it that they're after? So you're a resourceful bunch. Maybe you'll think of something, and maybe the next time we talk, you'll know more than you do, but maybe I'm giving you too much credit. <sighs> yeah, all right. Keep keep going. I'm just <laughs> bored of his, his talking. Just want him to get through the monologue. And leave. <laughs> yeah. I do wonder privately, like, if Agaran knows that he's trying to cut this deal with us. He looks out the window and, and stands up. He holds his hands behind his back as though, like, you're not even in the room. And he, he says, well, really, I'm just growing impatient with all of this. I came here for a proper confrontation with one of our oldest enemies, and I have been denied that, and it's been weeks, just insufferable weeks in this place. I want this to be done. I want our victory to be sealed and the ink dry in the new history that we've written. And every day that passes with these unanswered questions, it angers me. And so all I want is your help bringing this to a close. I'm sure you're tired of running around with your pointless little lives, waiting, trying, holding out hope thinking that maybe you can save this place when you already know what the ending will be. I think that Faye's just going to pull out her loot and just like, like start ignoring him and start tuning it. Because he's just insulting us and he's just not doing anything and I think that Faye feels like this. obviously Gilly doesn't think his, his words are worth anything and I don't feel like his words are worth anything. I'd probably just say something along the lines of, like, if you think there's anything we'd do to help you achieve those aims, you're an absolute fool. Like, Spruce says, the fact that prolonging this angers you is all the reason I need to never help. Yeah, and I'm just confused. Like, what do you, have you been drinking new life? Like, what's, <laughs> what's gone in? Like, so you're, you're 
showing up in your spectral form to tell us that there's some other group that you think is involved in in getting in the way of you conquering these lands and stopping Kalira? Like, because it's not like he would know that we've had any interactions with them unless he's giving it away that he's been spying on us and is aware that we had that encounter with them. And then after that, like, what are they doing to to him? Like, hasn't said other than that he doesn't know who made Kalira disappear. Like, I guess I ask him, like, have you had any other interactions with this group of Sky Ninjas? He shakes his head and he says, I don't know if they know about my existence. If they did... If they did know about me, then why haven't they gotten me out of the way as well? Because if I'm not if I'm not a threat, I don't know who else could be. So then I'd ask, if he hasn't if he doesn't think they know about him, how does he know about them? Seen seen ships. I'm assuming I assumed at first that they were not dragons because if they were dragons flying around, I would certainly know about it. And then after some investigations of a sort, I was able to, to determine that the things we were seeing hovering over the city were indeed ships. And we've also had other reports of these tall, lanky creatures scurrying about our city in small groups, just by twos or threes. Not an army, but I have no idea what they're up to. Some people have gone missing, some poor people pathetic peasants that I care nothing about. But clearly they have some plans. But I can see that this gracious gesture on my part is wasted on the likes of you. It is. Goodbye. (laughs) I'll remember I'll remember human that you called me a fool when we meet again. He says, I never forget a slight. And he vanishes. It's interesting because the enemy of my enemy is is my friend. And um, so these guys did chase us down. But that's about as far as it got, right? They never actually attacked us. Yeah. I mean, who's to say that they didn't take or make Kalira disappear to protect her? Right? Yeah, like, and I mean, maybe, so maybe being that they are the enemies of Agarand, maybe they are our friends. I don't know, though, like, again, metagaming, I feel like they have probably maybe also have ill intent. Maybe just not, I don't know. I don't feel like they're good guys. <laughs> yeah, but even, even without, like, ill or positive, they could just be independently motivated. Yeah. Like, it doesn't need to be a good or evil. I'm also saying, like, when he comes to they are our friend. I'm not sure if they're on our side, necessarily. Right. Yeah. So, yeah. Well, they did remove the ruler. That, like, maybe they just want something. Like, mm-hmm. yeah, they've, yeah been, because they've been watching. They've been looking around. If they're sending small groups of people into Pharaoh's Point, mm-hmm. it seems like they're, they have some independent goal. But it's not like they're attacking the city. They haven't been attacking any, like, villagers. There's no, like, army on the ground. Maybe we should call a meeting with um, 
Martin. <laughs> you know what? Shut up. <laughs> oh, well, big surprise. Bruce wants a tattoo trust meeting. <laughs> Even our DM is laughing. Utilize this excellent tool we have to communicate with people in the city we're talking about. You guys are dicks. How about that? Jeez. <laughs> Bruce storms out. <laughs> I'm going back to Fred. I'm going to go, gonna go hang out with some dogs. like ghost farts in here. I'm going to hang out with a dog who appreciates even though you keep training him and it hasn't been going well. Who <laughs> might one day appreciate it. <laughs> what I was going to say is um, somebody like Martin, who has his kind of ear to the ground in Pharaoh's Point, might have some insight about these people who have gone missing. Mm-hmm. Maybe has some people who have seen some things. Mm-hmm. Might provide some information. Potentially. Yeah, that would be a good thing to check up on. The other thought that I had is that obviously these things seem to be hanging around Pharaoh's Point, and there hasn't really, other than our sightings, we haven't really heard anything about other sightings, except Brita had mentioned she had seen one. So, And then they were able to track us down. So they must be able to, they're able to find us somehow. Mm-hmm. And I mean, we're not exactly low profile, so if they if they know what they're looking for. The thought that I had is that we have this mysterious black orb that we have no idea what it does. Maybe it's acting as some kind of beacon or something, right? There's all these voices that are coming from it, mm-hmm. and we kind of, from time to time, take it out. We don't really know what it's doing or or whatever. I'm also curious as to how Agaran, like, I mean, I guess he projected an image or something, but, like, to know our location and be able to project there, like, I know he's a powerful wizard, but that's pretty... Um, mean. Yeah. yeah. Um, it's pretty concerning, I yeah. guess. Like, how do you yeah, know that? Knowing exactly where we are. Yeah. yeah. When we call our meeting with the Tattoo Trust and Martin, I would want to specify, he mentioned that people are going missing, mm-hmm. and these people are going all around the towns, but only taking certain and specific people. Yes. And he said that they didn't matter and they were insignificant, but I'd be interested as a good person who's yeah. been going missing. <laughs> I don't know if I'd like use the tattoo thing, but I'd like if you talked about that, I'd prepare like a requisition and send it in for like information on the individuals who are missing and any like descriptive sightings um, on these green people. Very uncomfortable with this whole ghost thing showing up in the location we just got to. Can I like search the room? Is there no like item or anything that he like projected through your memory kind of drifts back to when you first met Lilith and how she described the terms of her employment to you where she said that like you had questioned her that like oh you're getting these payments and then your employer just assumes that you're doing your bit when these people never come back she had said that she at least she was under the impression that he had the ability to scry on her. And so now that your group has linked back up with her, the timing of this appearance seems a little, um, like to coincide with that. Knowing anything about like scrying, would there be like a course of action to take to stop this from happening again? Even if I talk to her and ask like, Hey, you know, you used to mention, suspicious about how he's able to still find your location do you have any gear or items that were given to you from during your employment that you still have on you 
With Gildob's connection and his sort of frequent dealings as a fence of artifacts with the Arcane Academy, you would know that there are spells that prevent magical like divination like this that can last for like eight hours. If it lasts longer than eight hours, you should consult a doctor. Nothing that like is needed as a component to like cast scrying on someone in the first place. In order to scry on someone, you you're like your chances of, of succeeding are based on how familiar you are with the target. And so he's like Erzax has a, like a tangential connection to you through Lilith. He has firsthand account of you through Mago. And if Mago had injured any of you, he might have some of your blood on like a weapon of his. Next day, what is your plan? We're off to see the wizard. <laughs> so it's the first order of business is just heading to his uh, two. I can't remember if I said it was two or three story tower in this little town. It's like it's so compensating, like overcompensating for for something. Like it's just the most ostentatious building in this entire village. Is it shaped exactly like a penis? <laughs> Well, I mean, it's the tower with a. Is it instead of the tower like roof being pointed, it's actually rounded at the top? It's an observatory. <laughs> Let's try to make a good impression. Be careful here. We've heard he's a little moody. I just want to know do you like tell Lilith the reason? Say, like, hey, we need to be careful about how much we're hanging out together for this reason? Like, do you bring her into that little bit of information? I think so because, like, I talked to her about being scryed on and being like, hey, do you have anything on you or anything like that? So I, I think it was like open knowledge. I'm not trying to like blame her for it, but. The tower is meant to look grand. It is a finer quality construction than most of the other buildings in the village. So somebody, somebody knocks and there's really no sound that comes from the inside, but after a uh, after a few moments, the door just kind of, you hear like the sliding of what sounds to be like a very heavy bolt from the inside and the door opens and there is a, like a, a staircase, a spiral staircase that's, that's heading up. You see that there is sort of a room down there with like some, some various odds and ends, nothing really too important or valuable on the ground floor, but you hear a voice asking you to come on up. Yes, yes, please don't dally down there. Please, please come on up. And I'll just continue narrating unless anyone wants to jump in. Uh, the five of you head on up, and as you're ascending the staircase, you get the like the smell of a lot of different like magical components. Everybody's familiar with with potions of one sort or another at this stage in your adventuring career. So you get a lot of smells of like magical components used for brewing and mixing potions. You hear some sort of like small metallic clacking. Uh, as you head up and then you you get up there and there's this just sort of it's like the top floor is just one wide open room and there are like there's this big this nice sized very nice looking carpet actually impresses Faye quite a bit um there are a number of items hung on the wall that you think immediately jump out at you as being magical in one sense or another there's a lot of glassware around he's He's hunched over this desk. He's got kind of like this series of ever smaller 
monocles hunched over this small metal, um, like this pile of metal bits that doesn't really look like anything on his desk. But he looks at you and he sort of flicks up his telescoping monocle and he says, okay, well, I figured it would only be a matter of time before you showed up. I'm assuming I'm the reason for your visit to Tall Hill. My name is Envedius the Wise. This is my workshop. Uh, if we can just make this quick, I've got an order to finish up here for a very moody drow, and then and then I can get to work on whatever it is that you'd like. And Lilith? Yeah, I think so. She'd be <laughs> the only drow around, I'm sure. Giljob would bow, you know, deep bow, all formalities, say it's an absolute pleasure to meet you. Of course, we had heard that you were here. Um, it's almost your name is spoken before the name of the town, really, you know. <laughs> what would bring people here other than a tower and a, and a majesty like this? Uh, we appreciate your time. We definitely don't want to pull you away from your valuable work, but we had hoped that we could um, discuss a few things with you. It's, it seems like you've heard of me. I'm not totally surprised by that, to be honest, but I'm... Uh, I had heard some some rumors around you, even though I'm usually sequestered up here in my in my tower. Uh, word still gets around. I I heard that the you were uh, not to be trifled with, and you look you look quite impressive. So I wasn't expecting all the manners. So it's a, a very pleasant surprise. What is it that I can help you out with? Though there's many distractions of interest in this room, I'm sure I could talk for hours about the number of magical and interesting items I see around us. That that might be a discussion for a later time. Our main concern is to come and see if you're, you could share your wisdom concerning some questions we have about the Underdark, specifically about some interesting artifacts that we have found. And then I would... I guess we're, we're sharing with him, right? Like, it's not like we're... Like we just we talked as a, pri a group privately about what we would talk about, so there was nothing we're trying to like keep a secret from him. I mean, we don't have to necessarily go into detail about how we got certain things or whatever. Okay, but yeah. like or what? So I just tell him, um, you know, through a string of events, we had found ourselves in this old ancient structure, and I think we still have notes that you took from the writing, Faye that we saw is we had copied some of the script from down there. Mm, I think I went so through like and translate. read it to you guys and you guys were talking about that because I'm not sure that I could write it as I was. I think we did like stencils or something of it as well. Well, maybe that was just the magical symbol. Hmm. Well, I talk about that. I described the writing and the little scratches. Like it looked like little scratches to make their text. And I'd reference the orb Though I state flatly, it's like, you know, we have this item and we are willing to show it to you, but I hesitate because of the mm. creepy aura and nature of it. He's visibly fairly young, so you don't think he's well traveled to have been to many caves. He doesn't indicate that he knows a ton about the Underdark, and he says certainly he wouldn't know as much as a deep gnome, but he offers he says that he's like the the way that you described this orb in an ominous way <laughs> excites him instead of puts him off okay i look around the room and try and 
Is there like a clear space on the floor somewhere? Sure, yeah, the, like the middle okay. of the room is open. So enough. I kind of just say, oh, would you mind? As I motion to the open space and I pull out the portable hole that I requisitioned <laughs> and I unfold it onto the floor and then slowly pull out the wrapped up orb and like bring it over and I actually, just because I'm a bit showy, I use my mage hand <laughs> to float it over and place it on the table. And then I would also pull out the box <laughs> that was in there. And then fold up the hole, put that away, and also bring the box over and wow, set we're that down. <laughs> yeah. Fire from water, guys. Fire from water. water. Mm-hmm. So I guess firstly, this is the orb. Please at your welcome to investigate it. You think even like with your mage hand not physically touching it, you still think you can hear the whispers coming in. And he picks it up and immediately like puts it back down. And he's like, whoa. He puts his telescoping monocle back on. You found this down underground. I've never. He says, well, it's not. It's not magical, strictly speaking, in the normal sense of the various schools of magic. This is something completely beyond and separate and apart from magic. Some kind of technology that is not of this place. At least nothing that I've ever seen or read about before. He asks if you would be willing to leave it with him for any amount of time so that he can examine it. Look to the group, if that's acceptable. Not like, I mean, this was something that we got from the Mm-hmm. The other gnome, right? Yeah. Um, and he had hidden it away. Yeah. So that no one else would see it again was yeah. the idea. Plus, if we're going to be, if we're going to go do that little side quest anyway, we'll be here for a couple days. Yeah. Hmm. Go do that side quest, come back. Yeah. Though it gives me uneasy feeling if we're mm-hmm. in the area, I would feel fine with that. Um, just please be cautious. Mm-hmm. Uh, he, he kind of is like, like nods half listening as you're giving these sort of warnings and he says i'm i'm not totally defenseless up here you know i keep my shop guarded i mean yeah if he says he doesn't know much about the underdark i just explain that like you know i'm still looking ever since the war the known paths down below or have been a lot of them have been collapsed or or closed off and so i'm always looking for information on how to link back up with my people underground well, funny you should say that. That was the drow's main thing, too. And he kind of goes back to this pile of metal bits on his on his desk, and he makes a few adjustments as he's hunching over. You can't exactly see, but it's like a small metal, like, looks like almost like a metal hummingbird. And he says, uh, this, this can find, I think, where the crossings happen. But it's the weirdest, it's the weirdest thing that I have been trying to build into it, this compass, if you will, to be able to get back there. But there seems to be some kind of interference, some, something intangible that doesn't fit in with any of my equations. Sometimes it will sense some kind of path. And when it does, it will glow in this beautiful bright blue hue that I, I think I'm, I've outdone myself with how magnificent this, this color is. But these 
openings are temporary, as if there's some kind of momentary lapse in some kind of a of a wall that's preventing it from really getting through. I don't know if any of this, any of my ramblings are making sense, but I realize I may be talking over some of your heads. I do have one question. You mentioned that when we saw him, we would understand what he was overcompensating for. Oh, yeah, sorry, I may have glossed over that part. He's just like, if you could imagine somebody more bookish and like less well-traveled than like the wizards that you ran into, it would be this this guy. Yes, he looks like fresh, and yeah. that's why he, but having this big grand thing to, okay, got it. Well, um, you know, your willingness to speak to us and share your knowledge is, of course, very appreciated. Um, in terms of more secondary business, we will be in the area and we've taken on a bit of work to go into the, what are they called? The, the marsh? Black, Black bog. Black bog. Um, so I'm sure you get many requests for identifying items and... I definitely don't wish to waste your time with trifles, but um, after such a warm welcome and your willingness to uh, assist us, I thought I'd offer up a few items of interest. And so one is the box, and I'd show this to him. Uh, This is a uh, dragonborn trinket. It seems to be locked with a small riddle. you know, maybe just a item of interest for it, for yourself. Um, but be warned, one of the uses has already been used up. A puzzle box. Mm-hmm. I'm sure I'll crack this in no time. How long have you had it for? <laughs> <laughs> Days. Days. We've been really busy. Ah, okay. All right. Not the puzzling types. No worries. Okay. What uh, What else do you do you offer up to him? Um, and then I show him the necklace of evil god symbols. And I just say, you know, I'm not sh- sure. I don't believe this is magical in itself. But a studious person as yourself, I thought, might be interested in a unique item like this. So I'll let you make a, like, a persuasion check. I think you you know that he might not. like it. <laughs> yeah, it's a weird item, but... Yeah, your first inclination is that, like, a wizard... Like, it's more of, a, like, a something that a cleric or paladin might find like like a holy person mm. but you could i'll let you make a persuasion check if you want to like go to him into like you know uh, uh acquiring it for some reason oh all the symbols of the evil gods it's good to know them it's educational 14 okay so he's not doesn't show really any interest in the necklace but he does ask what your prices for the box I'm tempted to give it up in a way for future goodwill I don't think asking a direct price is going to give us the best benefit but more as like just an open gift so that when we go into this swamp area and we bring stuff back that maybe he like you know identifies some stuff for free and helps us out all I would ask is that he tells us what's inside when he opens it Oh, that's a good thing, yeah. If. if when? You gotta say it like that. Yeah. yeah. 
I just want to know what level one weapons we missed out on. <laughs> yeah. So the, the box is just an, uh, uh, a gift of uh, good faith and towards new friendship. Uh, all, yeah, all that we would ask is um, for you to share the knowledge of what was of the contents if you are to be able to open it. Okay, well, he's very grateful for this uh, this sort of freebie on the box and says that he'll let you know if he cracks it and that you can come back when you're back from the little trek out into the woods. Just one last question for him. Um, Giladab would say, I'm, I'm sure many of these townsfolk come to you asking for favors. Um but you look like you're doing important work here of your own. Is there anything that you desire that you're looking for um, that later down the road we might be able to provide or to keep our eyes open for? Oh, yes. Uh, magical tomes of any variety. One day I hope to start my own school here. And Tall Hill will become a mecca for students of, of all sorts, and I'll be able to craft a worthwhile curriculum unlike those dullards down south in the Arcane Academy. That might be something to explore later, his feelings around the Academy. Yeah. And his intentions, like if he has intent to start his own thing, Giladab would be verbally like supportive of that. Oh, what a wonderful idea. Uh, this area does seem to have so much potential. Um, and it's always... Uh, great to see people work towards accumulating knowledge. So, time time for a little trip into the woods then? Let's do it. Yeah. Are you taking dog? After all his training? Uh, <laughs> his intensive training. <laughs> training hasn't gone real well. We're going into a place called the Black Bog. Dog can stay with Anna. So this little trek into the woods is essentially two wagons. Not just any wagons, but they look like a little bit more heavy duty, like they've been specially modified. The wheels are a bit thicker um, because they're expecting to go through a lot of like mud and, and marsh. Uh, the, the team of horses pulling each of them are very, like they look like very sturdy, stout horses. Uh, there's two. There's a driver on each of these uh, wagons, and there's also a a secondary crew member. Um, like a, they're basically like historians, for lack of a better word. So they're going in to help identify what is most valuable. They relay to you that they haven't been to the Black Bog or haven't tried to go for some time because it's it's just inherently more dangerous. There's bad stuff there yeah so essentially these these wagons are inside they're they're empty so that you're thinking that they're gonna be you're gonna be trying to fill up fill them up as much as you can uh, you may need to do a double check on your inventory just to see what resources are available to you you have any questions for them before you guys head out they keep talking about how this place is sort of inherently more dangerous. Is that just like the nature of it, or is it because there are creatures that they find that are... Yes, so the, the terrain is very difficult 
we're going to get stuck a whole bunch of times. And the I think the forest has always been very volatile to intruders. I don't know why a battle took place here, says uh, one of the drivers. Um, I should uh, should mention their names just in case they die suddenly. Uh, <laughs> so the two drivers of the, each of the wagons, Carson and Alexander, and then the two historians are Lane and Jax. We'll see who makes it back. <laughs> I've been I've been so bad on this list because you guys don't get in a lot of fights with like no. a lot of goons. I had so. people message me and be like, "Have I died yet?" And I was like, "Nope." Some people have been just patiently waiting on this list, so they're they don't know exactly what, but there's a lot of rumors of like undead, restless dead, and even some of the trees seem to dislike people venturing in too far. For the trip there, or is everyone going to be in, like in the in the lead wagon, or or are you going to split yourselves up somehow? Definitely want a good like uh, spot to prepare my to prepare my familiar, and then probably be using my familiar to scout while we're traveling. Bruce will be up in the front wagon for sure. Fail just being one of them trying to like take a nap in the back. She's not happy that we decided to go on this adventure, but she'll go on it. I guess I'll go up front. And what about Brita and Lilith? Oh, Lilith came? No, I'm just asking about if they came. Oh. I think Brita's ready to go out on the road for yeah, she might violence again. She might be yeah. good. Might help her to focus again. Yeah. What has her mental state been like? Last time you were able to brighten her spirits a little bit, yeah. but she's still very, very much not herself. Okay. But what Maybe if, give her the give her the choice. Because what if she can save people out here or do some mm. good? Mm-hmm. And it's her element because she's a ranger and likes to be in the wilderness. And it might be healing for her to be in dangerous, gross, boggy nature. Yeah. Sounds like a vacation to me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay, then let's pose the question to her. She just wants to do something to occupy her mind. So she's going to come along. Okay. I guess we can pose the same pose the same question to Lilith to see if what she wants to do. I mean, it's not like not like she's really doing anything. She might be kind of bored up here considering she was doing treks down into the caves below. Well, she was doing she's this doing work box. anyways, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. She's like been she taking was, people in and out. Yeah. Oh, has she? Yeah. So oh, okay. to me, if, if this is one of her jobs, like if she's getting paid to come along, then mm-hmm. she'd work just like any other day. But if it's not a paid job, she's not obligated. She she's known that this particular place has been like on the board, so to speak, for a while. But like one extra person coming along for protection was just not enough. So now that there's six total, now you guys got a proper crew. So it is a trip of about three to four hours. So you are getting there early afternoon or very, very late morning. Even sort of on the cusp of this place, the sky just doesn't look as blue as it did when you left Tall Hill this morning. It's very gloomy. The sturdy, firm grip of the gravel road like just gradually gives way to earth and then mud. And then before you know it, you're in like marshes and the wheels are a quarter covered like in, in water as you're just slogging through these these marshes there is a constant whine of 
like high-pitched whine of bugs, flies, and other things that land and try to bite you, and you keep swatting them away. I guess, you know, if you're outside, if you stick your head outside, if you're, I suppose if you're inside, like real heroes, then you're fine. Can I get a perception check from Gilly's familiar? A 12. Katie, you said you were riding up front with that again, right? Yeah. Uh, can I get a perception check from you? Natural one. Lilith is sort of riding on the side, on like one of the side, um, like I guess rails of this carriage. She sort of hops up a little bit and looks out and she sees, she says that there's um, movement up ahead. Slow movement. She thinks there are, she counts eight forms moving up ahead. They're sort of on this, it doesn't even look like a trail anymore. It's just sort of muddy ground and there's sparse old gnarled trees that have like half decayed leaves still clinging to the branches and through the dim light you can sort of begin to see these humanoid forms that are slowly shuffling towards you it looks like they've just stood up out of the mud i'd call for the carts to stop and tell my companions to ready their weapons out comes singing sword Oh, sorry, he has a name now. Max something. Okay, everybody roll some initiative. 22. 13. 5. About 60 feet away, in two clusters, one coming from the left side and one coming from the right. It's about four on each side. And there's space, like, maybe about 10 feet apart. You see what used to be people, but now they're just these mud-covered forms that are shambling towards you and they're just decayed, rotting flesh. All right, Gilly, you were up. So 60 feet away, two groups. I will just fire an arrow for now at one of them. 12? Yeah, these things are like pin cushions. They're oh, just... okay. Oh, 11 damage. Okay, that arrow sort of like just sinks into its chest and it it sort of staggers back half a step, but it's still coming. Got anything else? No, I just kind of climb up, make sure I'm climbed up on top of the cart and uh, won't take any other action, really. Spruce. Uh, yeah, I'm going to shoot one with my longbow. Guess I'll go for one that Gilly did not hit. 11? Eleven does hit. Nice. Things are not like they're, they're just coming at you. They're not like armored or anything. Uh, it's going to be eleven, but I'm going to use Kensei's shot. Four. All right. So fifteen damage total. So I'll hit him again. Well, I'll shoot him again. Fifteen to hit. Mm-hmm. Other thirteen damage. That is one zombie that is not getting back up. Zombies are going to use their turns to move 40 feet. That will not get them quite into combat with everyone this turn. So they're going to be essentially 20 feet away, three on the left side, four on the right side. Banna, it's your turn. Okay, so I'll attack one of them on the right side with my longbow. I'm going to actually ask the group. To okay. focus on the, the left side. Focus on the smaller group. Oh, okay. Just, it's up to everyone, but 
Gildadop would call out. Try to focus down the, the one group. Ooh, how come that's like? Well, I'll just I don't want to get like flanked, and then I might use an area of effect spell as well. Okay, yeah, I can do that. So on the left side, there's one that Gilly already shot, and there's two more that haven't taken any damage. Okay, I'll try and get rid of. I'll try and hit the one that's a little banged up already. Then. Cool. I will uh, try this thing that I always forget, the minus five penalty to my attack roll and the plus ten damage bonus. Do it. Oh, never yeah. do that. Against I can... these guys. Yeah. So it's nine minus five. Oh, yeah. That one misses. Yeah. Try again. Oh, natural 20. Oof. Oh, That's this is better. Be gross. <laughs> <laughs> and then a three. 23 points of damage? Mm-hmm. Jesus Christ. So you just like explode or One something? Arrow. So there's just like this this shot. Did you ever see that video of the like the beach the dead beached whale and they blew it up? <laughs> yeah. Kinda like that, only with like one human body. And the gases pop out of it. <laughs> it's just like there's this like red mist where a zombie once was. It's Lilith and Brita and then Faye. Brita's uh, yeah, Lilith first, she's gonna shoot. And she does 10 points of damage with one hit and one miss. Brita just jumps out of this wagon, has her sword out. Into the mud? Yeah, into the mud. So you see her slice into this zombie and it falls down. And you think that it's out of the fight, but then it gets back up. Um, So on the left, there is one zombie that just stood back up. One that hasn't taken any damage. And then the right side, there's four. So, Faye, is your turn. I think that I'll prepare to stab one. I have Max out. I'm going to get ready to stab them. I'm also going to do Bardic Inspiration for the person who is next. That's Gilly. Okay, Gilly. There's uh, On the left, there's one zombie unharmed. There's one that's engaged. And then on the right, it's a group of four. Yeah. So, I am going to cast Color Spray... It's a 15-foot cone, and I'm going to aim it at the the group of four on the right. It just happens, so I just have to roll all my stats for it. So it's one of these, it affects, it does 60-10 in HB to the lowest, causing blind, and then all the remaining goes to the next lowest. 39. Okay, so you see that two of the zombies on the on the right just start kind of flailing and you think that two of them are currently unable to see. I'll try shooting that last one over on the left side. 19 damage. That zombie is dead again. <laughs> okay. The zombie on the left is just going to go up to Brita and attack and does eight points of bludgeoning damage. The four on the, well, there's two unblinded on the right side. Who are they going to go after? I mean, there's so many targets. It's what they call a target-rich environment. I think uh, one of the blind ones is going to stumble after the horse. I just grope at this horse. And attacks the horse and hits it. Oh. Aww. Just like stabbing a horse in the dark. <laughs> it's just like this weird visual of this like rotting corpse trying to strangle a horse to death. <laughs> it does uh, four points of... Zombie damage. <laughs> Blind rotting corpse. One of them tries to go after the 
the historian named Jack's on the first cart, but misses because he's blind. He's just kind of groping up, and this historian just swats it away. And then one is going to... Where are you? You were up front too, right? Yeah. Okay, so it'll go after you then, because you were right there. You can take six points of bludgeoning damage as these zombies kind of flail around at you. So they're kind of all focused on the front of the lead wagon. Can I get a perception check from everyone? 16. I rolled a natural one. But I have a passive perception of 18. Oh yeah, that's right, that's right. I just actively am doing a bad job. Six. Seven. Bruce, you notice behind the second wagon, one of these guys just rises out of the mud. Technically speaking, it's a wraith, uh, but it's it's just this kind of has a similar form of uh, or, or similar constitution of the ghost dragon, but it's just to- instead of being sort of ghostly and uh, translucent, it's just just like black smoke in the shape of a person. Um, so Vanna, your turn. You've got these zombies on on you, and then you've got this thing that's popped up behind you. As soon as I see this thing, I'm going to yell to everyone to make sure that everyone knows that it's there. But what are you yelling was the question. Just, ah, oh, shit! <laughs> <laughs> what is that? <laughs> Sorry, I'm asking a thousand questions. <laughs> the ones that are on my right are, like, right up. Like, they're right yeah. beside me. Okay, yeah. well, I'll attack whatever one is closest then with my, with Rainier's longsword. Okay. If you go after one of the blinded ones, you'll have advantage. Mm. Okay. I will do that. 21. Yeah, that definitely hits. Five damage. Mm, then I guess I'll use Slayer's Prey, too. Seven total. And I'll do it all over again, I guess. 23. Six. So the Wraith came up behind in f- me, where I am, because I'm in the back wagon. Mm-hmm. And I was readying my weapon. And you're telling me that he just came up like right in front of me. No, well, are you inside the wagon or are you? On I was out the front? back. I was laying in the back. Okay. And then I got up. So I guess I would have gone to the front though because I saw those things coming. So yeah, I'd be at the front. Right. Yeah. So it's behind the behind your your behind your wagon. Okay. It's gonna fly forwards, and you can just feel these cold like hollow white eyes appraising these uh, like you and and the driver and the historian up front who's it gonna go after the driver who is uh hang on Carson heaven forbid the driver of a cart die (laughs) no specialty skill listen you didn't even know anything (laughs) about Carson (laughs) and to be fair Neither did I, except that he asked to be killed. And guess what, Carson? I just made your dream come true. (laughs) (laughs) The Wraith does 21 points of necrotic damage to Carson. I'm so glad I'm in the cart right next to him. (laughs) And you see the ghostly form rise out of Carson's body and looks at Faye. 
with cold, dead eyes. Uh-oh. Oh, boy. So we become a wraith army when he attacks us? When he kills you. Cool. I mean, not cool, but also cool. <laughs> um, it's going to be Lilith and then Brita. Does Faye want to yell anything out? Uh, guys, when this thing kills you, you become something like him. And now there's more of them. Also, driver's dead. Lilith <laughs> <laughs> is going to shoot at the zombie that Vanna just sliced. And kills it. So there's three zombies on the right. Brita is going to continue to attack the one. And Brita successfully cuts down the last one on the left. Faye, it's your turn. You are flanked by one wraith and one specter. I guess he came up within range, so yeah, you would have you would have gotten off a uh, a melee attack last. And he would have attacked someone time. else. He would have attacked Carson after I attacked him. Well, his mind was already made up. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> do you want me to do a melee attack? So Carson's or? days were numbered. He knew <laughs> right when he signed on for this thing. Yeah, just do a melee attack, and then like this will be for for your prepared attack. You're ready to action. Uh, 23 to hit. And 9 slashing damage. Alright, so same thing again. I'm going to take Singing Sword and slash at him. 12. And I'll go for the Spectre. The, the Spectre of Carson? Yeah, who I will double kill. Yeah, Carson, you're lucky bastard. You're going to die twice here, buddy. <laughs> uh, 12 does hit, yeah. And 11 slashing damage. This newly minted Spectre Ghost Carson's gonna swipe at Faye. What if Carson dies twice or he dies once and also kills one of the main characters? How big of a legacy? <laughs> Carson! Oh, natural 20! Oh, <laughs> so Faye's gonna take 20 points of necrotic damage. Oh, oh fuck you, damn. Carson! <laughs> You're really getting beat up these last couple I games. Know. I hope it. Carson isn't a kid. <laughs> Fuck you still, Carson! <laughs> I don't care how old you are. And can you make a constitution saving throw? Can I? If Carson is a kid, as his parent, I would definitely just <laughs> record that sound clip every time. Fuck you, Carson. <laughs> At 12. Okay, so your hit point maximum is not reduced by 20. <laughs> Guys... <laughs> scary shit back here. And then Spruce. So I'd like to take a look around. If we're in a forest, I'm kind of looking for maybe like a thicker branch up top where I could get a good view on our enemies. Is there something that I see that would... Yeah, there's trees kind of interspersed all around you. All right. So I use Misty Step as a bonus action and teleport up into a perch. And then in my new sneaky position, I ready my bow and I shoot at the wraith. Okay, so it wouldn't really know where you are being in your new new position, so this is a sneak attack. Nat 20. Ooh. Yeah. Damn. That's getting real. 32 damage. Spruce. Am I able to get maybe by like Jumping across the wagons, am I able to get over to the things that are attacking Faye? Give me an athletics check, baby, or acrobatics. Rather than just going through the mud. 14. 
So you're just trying to jump off the back of your wagon onto the other one. Basically, yeah. It's right on the cusp. I'm going to say you make it, but you kind of kind of land funny, so you're going to take three points of damage as you as you sort of biff the landing. But you make it. Carson Spectre, that one is engaged, right? Yeah, he's engaged. Okay, but the Wraith is not. Mm, technically yeah, anymore. I guess they're both engaged yeah. with Faye. Oh, yeah? Oh. She's a popular lady. I was going to say, I'm like, I didn't say yes to anybody. Mm. <laughs> um, okay, I will attack the Wraith then with my glaive. The 25 to hit. Yeah, that's going to be 14 slashing. And I don't know if this makes a difference, but my Kensei weapons do count as magical. That is important. And I'm going to use Deft Strike as well. Do an additional four. And then I'll do it again. 17 to hit. Be six slashing. And I'm going to go ahead and... Uh, use Stunning Strike as well. Actually, no, not Stunning Strike. I'm just going to make a, an unarmed attack as well. It'll be 23 to hit. Do 10 damage. <laughs> you got magic hands. Yep. And you just swat this thing out of existence. It fades into this puff of black smoke. Nice. Uh, Carson Spectre is still there. I was going to say, though, but that thing that makes other Spectres isn't going to isn't around anymore. Yeah, that's correct. Good. Um, zombies. So, to attack Vanna, you're going to take nine points of bludgeoning damage. One again attacks the horse, and it starts to freak out and pull the cart. So the cart and the other horses get startled too, and they begin to lurch into motion. So I'm traveling, basically? Uh, just starting. Okay. Everything's six seconds for one round, so yeah. you have seconds to actually do stuff. Uh, so Just a funny tableau. Then it's your turn. <laughs> Just gonna slash away at the closest thingamabop zombie, that's the word. Just remembering, because I am low on health, one of us went shopping and bought health potions, correct? I did. And did you distribute them to us? No. Okay, I didn't think so. <laughs> I did not. <laughs> and that other one, like the wagon is going further away now. Vanna, you bitch! <laughs> <laughs> how low are you? How close to unconscious are you? I'm good, I'm good. Okay. And so, is the closest one a blind one? No longer blind. <sighs> okay. Um, 19. Yeah. Ooh, eight, nine, seven. Seven to hit? Mm-hmm. No. Yeah, <laughs> I don't like, think so. Just like a, take like a clump of mud right off the top of its head. Lilith is going to shoot at that same zombie. Rita circles around and finishes off one of these zombies. So there's two left. The lead wagon is still inching forward. Faye, it's your turn. I'm going to slash at Carson. One sec. You think it's super weird, but that uh, that last zombie that Brita killed had a name tag on it that said Tim Musa. <laughs> <laughs> this came from the convention before he went into battle and died there. Sounds like a real dick. 
Yeah, yeah, it's it like a meet and greet before the battle. Yeah. <laughs> Hi, I'm Tim Musa. <laughs> Sorry, yes, you were you had rolled to hit yes. Carson, Ghost Carson. It was a nine, so I'm guessing I didn't hit. Oh no. The sword is like, why don't you try attacking something that's still alive instead of something that's already died? <laughs> Shut up. <laughs> <laughs> That's Carson's turn again. You know it. Oh wait, can I also do um sorry, Bardic Inspiration? Sure. And I'll do that for Gilly again because he's next. I think you have you used it yet? No, spruce then. Okay. Oh yep. That's a sixteen plus four to hit. Cool. Cool, cool. Cool, 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 cool. Okay, so you're going to take 10 points of necrotic damage, and can you make a constitution saving throw? 13. Yeah, you're good. At least it wasn't the wraith that crit you and did, like, 42 points of necrotic damage, and then instant phagos. How bad would that be for the rest of the party that they would never be able to get be rid of you? <laughs> Whatever character I rolled next has phagos attached to her. <laughs> Gildob and then Spruce. So just to recap, there's their lead wagon is now in motion. There's two zombies that are quasi still engaged with Vanna, but soon won't be. And then there's a ghost Carson that's attacking Faye. Yeah. I'm going to attack the ghost Carson. Again, really hope that's not a child. <laughs> <laughs> okay, no, no, hang on, hang on, hang on. Pause. Don't actually pause. But okay, if he if if Carson's a kid, we technically only killed him once, and then all these things that we're saying are for Ghost Carson. You can do whatever you want, fictional. a little baby boy Ghost Carson. <laughs> <laughs> not a baby. We as don't far know. As we, know. we don't. Know. Okay, hang on. I know for a fact as the DM, Ghost Carson is an adult. Okay. <laughs> So Spruce is saying that you've got this with Ghost Carson? Yep. And the zombies, you say they're still engaged? Technically, like, the... the just for the moment? Wagon's just starting to pull away. So you'd still have advantage for this last round. I can't right. imagine it's that gradual. When horses are perturbed, they kind of, like, fucking bolt. But I'm you're, just you're in, like, like, mud and, like, marsh. <laughs> that's true, that's true. Uh, 27 to hit? Yeah, I think that'll do. Yeah. 25 damage. That arrow just takes the zombie's head clean off its shoulders. It's only one flesh bag left. Spruce. Gonna be really embarrassing if I totally just bungle this after I call yeah. that was like, I got this. 15. You have bark inspiration as well. No, I think 15 is good, but just so you know. 15 to hit? 15 hits. Yeah. Gonna do twelve slashing. Here we get. Oh, I'm gonna use my bardic inspiration to get sixteen to hit. Sorry, you may want to hold on to that bardic okay. inspiration because your first attack kills Ghost Carson oh. once and for all. And the days that Carson has haunted these marshes. <laughs> <laughs> the minutes that he has haunted the marshes. Seconds. The eighteen seconds. The eighteen second. Reign of Terror <laughs> has finally come to an end. Zombie, a last standing zombie will swing at Brita 
misses twice, and then Vanna from the wagon in the lead. What are you gonna do? So it's just that one zombie left then? Yeah, it's sort of like behind you almost now, and Brita's fighting it. Okay, well I'll go. I'll jump off the wagon and get up close to it. Okay, attack with advantage. Uh, eighteen. Yes, that definitely hits. Five. Okay, and your second attack? Fifteen? Yep. Three damage. That is just enough to finish off this last dumb undead zombie whose name is not even worth remembering. <laughs> um, His name tag was too smudged. Okay, so who's. So, Faye, you're quite injured. Mm-hmm. You've got this. Um, I guess the driver of the first car is like still trying to get control of the, the horses. What's everyone going to do? Are you just going to push Carson's body off into the muck? Yep. And (laughs) (laughs) Philodob would climb down from the tree, but then ask like the working people, like, do you take back your dead? Should we bring him back for like his family as I shoot? Faye a fucking evil bear <laughs> that she just dumped this just guy like in the, the middle of just dumping him off already. What? What a psychopath. <laughs> he just attacked me. Ghost Carson was evil. Yeah, Ghost Carson is different than poor dead Carson. He just dumped his body in the mud. You you wrap up, respectfully wrap up dead Carson, stow him on a roof rack of one of these uh, uh, carriages and then you're off again further into the black bog towards your eventual goal of a stash of magic stuff. And that's where we'll end today.